Good morning, everyone. I said good morning, everyone. Oh, that's all right. Now, I like that a lot better. As you know, this is the first Sunday of the month. That means we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. So I want to read some scriptures before we do that. And men of God, if you'd make your way this morning and, and we go ahead and begin passing that out so we won't be waiting. The Apostle Paul, he tells us in 1 Corinthians, he said, For what I have received from the Lord, I've also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. We know the Bible tells us that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the wilderness and yet they died, but here's the bread which comes down from heaven which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that lives forever. And anyone who eats this bread, he shall live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. We know that the manna in, in the book of Exodus was the provision. Everybody say, Jesus is the provision. He has provided for us something called life. And he that has the life has it more abundantly for eternity. The, the, the substance that we are taking is just a symbol of his body that was beaten and bruised. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The healing in the body of Christ. I want you to take the symbol of that love in your right hand. The right hand stands for the covenant that we have with Christ. I want you to raise it a little bit higher. The Bible says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Father, we believe by faith that the body was beaten and bruised. Your word tells us that if we examine ourselves, we will not come under the judgment. So right now, we, we close our eyes by faith as we raise up the body of Christ. We examine our lives before you. Lord, we know your word tells us that we all have sinned and we all have fallen short to the glory of Christ. We also know your word tells us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So right now, Lord, we confess our sins before you. We lay it at your feet. We examine our hearts, our mind, our lives, and we lay it all down at the cross. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for those who are being saved, it is the power of God. We receive this symbol of your love today by faith in God's people received in Jesus' name. The apostle also says in the same way, in the same way after supper, He took the cup, 
saying this cup is the new covenant. The new covenant in my blood. Everybody say in the blood. Do this whenever you drink it and remember me. Do it in remembrance of me. I have a few scriptures right here that I would like to read. Actually, I'm not going to read them. I don't have them written. I just have some verses down, the addresses. But this is what God had laid on my heart this morning before I came to church. Ephesians 2.13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You who are once far have you who once who were far away have been brought near. Everybody say, I've been brought near by the blood. Revelations 19 and 13, he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the word of God. Bless you. In Ephesians chapter 1, 7 and 8, the Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood for the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he's lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure in Christ. Can I get an amen? Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has brought us into the kingdom of the Son who, whom he loves through whom we have redemption through his blood. Hebrews 9 and 22. In fact, the law requires that almost everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. I think it was Peter who says, for, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you by your forefathers, but it's with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming toward him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When I think of Christ, I think of the blood. The Bible says that the life is in the blood. And it was upon the cross that he would lay down his life and pour it out for mankind for each and every one of us, that we would be covered in his love. When you see the blood of Christ, you see the love of Christ. Let's raise this in our right hand and simply say, Jesus, we thank you for the blood. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the redemption that came through the blood. We know that we are not our own, that we were bought with a price, so we honor you today in remembrance of what you have done and what you have blessed us with, your love. We praise you now. We receive it in Jesus Christ's name, and God's people receive it. Can I get an amen this morning? Got some good news this week, or just a couple of days ago. Got my second grandbabe. And Miss Sarah here at the church was at a camp, and she got saved. 
And how awesome is that? So we had two new births. Can I get an amen? Good news, good news. All right, guys, uh, if you got your Bibles, please go with me to 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 3. Now, let's rewind for just a moment. Now, this sermon was actually given to me not this week, but the last week. And as you know, I was, me and Kristen were both exposed to COVID, so we didn't want to take a chance of getting anybody sick. We didn't know if we had it. I knew by faith I didn't have it, but I said, I'm just going to listen to my wife. I'm going to sit at home and uh, just hold this message. But, but it all worked out. God had illustrated in, in a way that, that my, my grandchild would be born on a time that I didn't have to miss no more church. So I believe by faith that we're here today and that this message is not for last week, but actually for this week. Because you know God's timing is perfect. Can I get an amen? So if you're here today, I can promise you this word is directed directly to you. I also believe it's directed to those who missed. Come on, amen. Because I usually see that people who miss church are the, usually the ones who needed this message the most. I've had one of my friends come up to me a couple weeks ago and said, man, my buddy was supposed to have been here, and this is the message he needed. I'm like, I know. That's how God works. God's trying to get the word out while the enemy, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So he's in the process of blinding while God is in the process of opening eyes. So you see the battle here. So 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 3. And once you have your place in the scriptures, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. I feel like I need to take my time with this if I can do that. I don't see no clock, so I think they took it down for a reason. So I don't keep looking at it. If you got your place, say amen. The Bible says, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. And show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires to walk in all his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses. Listen carefully. And do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, I still my heart before you right now, and I, I wait patiently for the power of the Holy Spirit to fall fresh on my mind, my heart, my emotions, and everything that I had. Just cover me right now in your power. Lord, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit would fall fresh on the ears of your people, I pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. You are my strength 
You are my God in whom I trust, and surely you shall deliver us from the hand of the enemy today. Lord, we came not expecting a word from a man, but expecting a word from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lord, hide your servant. Hide it behind the cross and speak through those lips of clay, the oracles of God that you have laid upon his mind this week. Lord, your word says that your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. And right now, Father, I confess that I'm the weakest man in this room. Lord, apart from you, I can do nothing. But I also know, God, that with you, oh God, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now may the anointing fall fresh on me even now as I speak. And let me be your man today and nobody else's but yours, Lord. We praise you now in Jesus' name. And God's people said amen. And amen, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord God Almighty. Now, first of all, I just want to bring this out quickly. You need to understand that David here is pointing to a certain way. He, he's not pointing his son to the ways of the world, which is the broad road that leads to destruction. But instead, David is pointing his, his son Solomon to the narrow way, the, the good way. Everybody say the good way. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 6.16, Thus saith the Lord, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the good way and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I love the way that Jesus puts it in the, in the King James Version. Matthew 7, 13 and 14, I believe it is. He says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. But straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And only few there be that find it. Now you have to understand that, that David is, is at the end of his road here. And, and here his son Solomon is probably standing beside him, maybe in a, by a chair or on his deathbed. But you've got to understand that these are the, the last words that, that he would speak to his son. Now, I have two sons. If, if I was given the grace to be able to speak to my sons before I passed on, I'd be just like you. I would try to give my sons the very best advice I could in life that would help them to be prosperous, to be successful, to be in the will of God. Can I get an amen? And that is exactly what, what David is doing. He's trying to point his son the right direction. Now, two weeks ago, we were in Deuteronomy 32 when, when we learned about the song of Moses. And Moses was pouring out his heart, not to a few people, but to the nation of Jerusalem or Israel, if you would. Pouring out the word of God, his last words. But today we're looking at the last words of a father, words of wisdom to a son. I want to use that. Use it as my title today. Today's message is simply entitled, A Word of Wisdom to a Son. I want you to turn to your neighbor, if you have one, and say, neighbor, we should always be willing, be willing to listen 
to the wisdom of our Father. Always be willing to listen to the wisdom of our Father. And so first of all, we have good advice from a father, but secondly, we have something else here. We have a very clear formula from the heart of God that is teaching us a way to be prosperous and successful in our life. I believe God wants us to be prosperous. I believe God wants us to be successful. And I know that because I'm his child. What, what child, what father does not want his child to be successful and prosperous? In fact, I know God wants us to be prosperous, and I know that he wants us to be sexful, successful because the word teaches us that he has spoken life before us. He said, I have set before you life and death, blesses and curses, now choose life. It's God's will that we choose life. It's God's will that we choose to be prosperous and successful. Now, the Bible says that, that God's word does not return void, according to Isaiah, but it shall accomplish that which he pleases and the purpose for which he sends it. God has sent his word through David to Solomon, but in reality, the big picture is that God is sending his word to you and I, giving us good, godly advice for you and I to be successful and prosperous in this world. But notice, there's some very strict requirements that come from this. If you want this to happen in your life, you have to follow the rules. Can I get an amen? In other words, you, you can't live in disobedience. You can't live in ungodliness. You can't live in your own will and expect to live a life of prosperity. Because the blessings of God fall on the obedient children of God. I like what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 and 4. Y'all listening this morning. He says, no one serving as a soldier gets involved in a civilian's affair for he wants to please his commanding officer. Verse 5 says, similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. You, you know as well as I do, if, if you're going to be in the Olympics, if they catch you taking steroids, you will be disqualified for the prize. Come on, amen. It, it's natural. They, they don't want unnatural people in there. They, they want people who can compete according to the rules. In the same way you and I are, are competing, we're not competing against each other, but we're competing against the enemy who's constantly trying to drag us down, to, to knock us off track, if you would. You know, in, in track, when you're running, you have to stay in the lines. And we have an enemy who's constantly trying to knock us off track so we can be disqualified for the prizes that belong to us. Does that make any sense at all? Hallelujah. But before we dive into this any deeper, I want you to notice how closely and how similar it is to the words of Joshua. Now, Joshua was the man who took the place of Moses. Moses, the man of God, God took him up into the mountain, and Moses died, and the Bible says that God buried Moses himself. 
That's amazing, isn't it? To be buried by God. And no one knows exactly where Moses was buried, but he's buried by the hand of God. But Joshua, he took, he took his place as, as the leader, as, as the, the, the chief, if you would, of, of Israel. And, and we find his words are very similar to what David said. Look with me in Joshua 1, 8, and 9. He says, do not, do not let this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God shall be with you wherever you go. Can I get an amen? Now, I want to just get real with y'all. Can I get real this morning? There are a lot of angry Christians in our generation. And I say angry because they seem to be mad at everybody. Can't keep a smile on their face. They're looking for fault in others. And so when, for example, one thing that they hate the most is when a preacher preaches a message of prosperity. They hate that. But let me make it real clear. Let me tell you why they hate message of prosperity. The reason they hate it so much is because they're walking in disobedience and poverty. That's why they hate it. But, but people who are walking according to the will of God, they love to hear messages about how God will bless his people if we walk in obedience. We love that because we're in it and we're receiving the blessings on a daily basis. Some people can look at us and say, how are you being so blessed? Well, because we're being obedient to what God tells us to do. And if you're struggling financially, pay, payday the payday, you can't blame God. You can only blame yourself because you're not following the rules of the competition. In other words, if you want to see the blessings of God to be poured into your life, I'm not trying to get money in the church. I could care less about money. I don't even get a salary. I don't preach for the money. I preach for the souls of God's kingdom. But I'm telling you this because I hate to see God's people walking in disobedience and poverty. But if you want to be blessed, you follow the rules of the Bible. When God tells you to give 10%, that's not meaning 2% or 3% because that's disobedient. See, the truth is we have to give 10% because God wants us to walk by faith and not by... Well, it don't work out on paper. Well, if it worked out on paper, it wouldn't take faith to do it, would it? It will never work out on paper. But I can promise you the moment you say, you know what, I'm going to be faithful with every dollar that I bring in. And let me show you something. The moment you step out in faith, that, when you, that is when you'll begin to see the hand of God begin to move in your life like never before. The Bible says that, that God, he took care of his people in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothing did not wear out. Their feet did not become swollen because God was with them. 
Can you imagine wearing a pair? I have to get new combat boots every two years because I walk about two miles a day, sometimes four, on the asphalt, and it wears them out. But, but I know I'm going to wear these boots out eventually. But, but I'm saying, can you imagine wearing the same pair of boots, combat boots, for 40 years and never wearing out? Kristen would love that. These things are expensive. But, but you know what? I can promise you my boots are probably outlasting other, other people's boots because I'm walking in faithfulness. Now, I know I'm way off my sermon, but keep it with me. Keep it with me. First of all, what they should do when they get angry about someone who's prospering, what instead of getting mad at them, what they should do is they should look into the Bible and they should look at the life of Abel who was being blessed and his brother Cain was angry because his brother was being blessed and he wasn't. But I want you to hear the words that God said to him face to face. In, in the book of Genesis chapter 4 verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Jesus said a man is a slave to whatever masters him. Are y'all with me yet? And so we have to learn to walk in obedience. And when we get in disobedience, we need to rebuke that thing because sin will come. Sin wants you. Sin comes to still kill and destroy. But I want you to understand there's, there's more ways to be prosperous than just being wealthy with money. Because I can promise you, I'm very prosperous. I'm very blessed, but at the same time, I don't have hardly two dimes to rub together. See, I'm not blessed in, in, in the area of having lots of money, but I am blessed with something called health. Are y'all listening? You can be the richest man on the face of this earth today. But if you're on your deathbed, what good is that money going to do for you? Come on, amen. You can't buy life. You can't buy health. You can't. But, but when God is blessing you, you can go through a heart attack and still come out smiling. You can go through trials and tribulations and still have a smile because God is with you. And you don't fear death. You don't worry the sting of death. You walk in the blessings of God. The Bible says in 3 John 1 and 2, John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. Come on, amen. In other words, you may not have money, but if your soul is saved, you are the richest man in this building today. You can have money, but if you're headed to hell, come on, you don't have what you need. But I got that for you up here. And if you don't know Jesus, I can promise you, I can introduce you to my friend quickly. I can get your reservations. You can be saved and set free and delivered. And you'll be very prosperous. I want you to see how David, his life, he was a prosperous. The Bible said in 1 Samuel 18 and 14, the Bible said in everything that David did, he prospered because the Lord was with him. Now, understand. 
If you are yoked up with an individual who's not working in the will of God, but working against the will of God, then you find yourself in a tough situation because God wants to bless the relationship, but when one is walking in disobedience, then it hurts the whole batch of apples, in other words. In other words, let's just look at my band. If I'm walking faithfulness, and David's walking in faithfulness, but the other two guys are not walking in faithfulness, then it's hard for us to be blessed. But if all four of us get in step with the Holy Spirit, that is when you will see the blessings of God open up. When you're married to a man who has nothing to do with God, he don't want to be in church. I'm a Christian, but I don't have to be there. Yeah, you do need to be here. This is where God is speaking through his, through his spokesman to his people. He said, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. It's important to be here. Are you listening to me this morning? It's important for you to hear what God has laid on his servant's heart to speak to you. Well, I'll get the CD. You're going to miss the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on your life. Jesus said in Luke 9 and 25, what does a man profit if he gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit his soul? Are you with me this morning? Now, in our story, David has already pronounced that his son Solomon would take his place as the next king of Israel. But I want to take a moment because there's something here that we, we can't overlook. We got to take a moment and explore just a little bit briefly the life of David because there, there's some reason why he was so blessed and there's some reason why he was called the man after God's own heart. They didn't call David the man after God's own heart because he is walking in disobedience and unfaithfulness to God. He was called that because he was an upright, righteous man of God. Years ago, there was this black woman who came to her church, and she totally embarrassed me, said, you are like David. And, and I, I just felt so embarrassed, not because it was a great comment, because I felt so unworthy of to be called that. But how I long to be like David, hallelujah. How I long to be the man after God's own heart. But I want to show you something. As we begin to reflect over David's life, you're going to see that it very much lines up with the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. In fact, as we look over the life of David, we would also see that the life of David and the life of Jesus go hand in hand. Let me just say this. David was the, a shepherd boy. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Come on, amen. Are you with me this morning? First of all, David, David was the first king who would be willing to try to bring Israel and Judah and, and to make them into one nation. But Jesus is the only king who came to bring the whole entire world into sonship. Are you with me this morning? He don't care if you're Jew or Gentile. He doesn't care if you're Chinese, Spanish, or whatever. He loves you. My Bible said that God so loved the 
world. Ephesians 2, 13 through 15. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who made the two groups one. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So David was trying to get the, 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 the Judah and Israel together, but, but Jesus came to bring Jews and Gentiles together. That's even far beyond. Jesus said in John 10 and 16, I have other sheep that, that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. He's talking about us right there. I got other sheep. They're not of this pen, but they're outside. But I'm going to bring them in too because they're part of my flock. That's me. I'm that black sheep. Come on, amen. Black sheep of the family. Jesus loved me regardless of my past. Jesus loves you regardless of your past. You say, I'm not worthy. You sure ain't. <laughs> Come on, amen. But his love is beyond our sin. Can I get an Amen. Now, David, he was the king, the only king, but while he was still a boy, he was the one who was willing to stand up and defeat that giant warrior named Goliath. While all the whole Israel army was shaking in their boots and armor, David was the one that stood before him and defeated that great giant. While Jesus is the only one who defeated our great enemy, the devil. The Bible says that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Christ has come that we may have life and have it more abundantly. John says in 1 John 3 and 8, he who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. 1 Corinthians 15 and 55, Paul says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? I'm preaching to these people right here that should have been here. I'm looking at them. By faith, they're probably getting blessed right now. Don't even know it. Hallelujah. Now, David, he was a king that was born in the city of Bethlehem. Bethlehem, which means the, the house of bread. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The Bible said that Jesus was also born in a city called, that's where y'all say Bethlehem. Am I going too fast? I slow down for you. Come on. Matthew 2, 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. David had one of the greatest armies in the history of Israel. And in the land they had great peace. Jesus also has a great army. And not only does he have a great army, he is the prince of peace. Now you're following me. Revelation is 19 and 14. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and white and clean. 
Isaiah 9 and 6, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. David, y'all like the similarities we're looking at? David was the king who wrote the majority of all the Psalms in the Bible. How amazing is that? But even more amazing is how Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Are you with me this morning? David, while speaking his last words to his Solomon, he spoke words of encouragement, but he also spoke words of love. Jesus breathing his last Words on this earth saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And into your hands I commit my spirit. See the similarities of, of David. And, and you wonder why David was, was called, bless you, why he was called the man after God's own heart. Because when you look at the life of Christ and you look at the life of David, you see all these similarities when you look at David, you're looking at a reflection or a shadow of the one who would come because David was the only king who would be the king that would have the, the Messiah in his seed. Verse 2 of our text, David said, Be strong and show yourself a man. If I could bring this down to us today, I would say it like this, that we as men of God at Millwood Church, I can't answer for nobody else beyond these walls, but you and I, if we are men, men of God, we're called to step up our game. We're not getting close to the end times, we are in the end times that this is not the time that you lay around and say, well, it'll get taken care of. No, we are the ones who are here. This is the priority. This is the house of prayer. When, when we open the doors on Wednesday and two or three men may show up, that's not God's will. God's will is that every man in this church will be at that altar with us, crying out to God, getting directions on how we need to handle this church. And, and if you find yourself more preoccupied with other things in life besides the work of God, then you need to re yeah. You need to reevaluate your walk because you got your priorities out of order. God comes first. Woo, say out your amen. And, and so what the Bible is saying to us, Jesus said. I don't want you to be the, the sugars of the world. I want you to be the salt of the world. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. In other words, God ain't looking for talkers. He's looking for walkers. You give me an opportunity to bring somebody into the kingdom of God, I will quickly snatch them, not in fear, not in worry, not in doubt, but by faith. My goal in life is to bring in the harvest. 
Colossians 4, 5, and 6, Paul says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be full of grace, but seasoned with salt. In other words, we cannot be afraid to mention that word that they don't want to hear about, and that is the word called hell. I'm not saying point your finger in their face saying you're going straight to hell. I'm not saying that. I'm saying in love, draw them to the cross. Speak love and life, but also say, listen, if you reject me, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting the one who sent me, and he is the one you will stand before. And if you're not covered in the blood, I can promise you, you will split hell wide open. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm talking to you right now personally asking you, please don't walk out of these doors not knowing Jesus. Don't, I don't care if you have a membership or if you've been baptized. I'm asking you right now, have you been born again, filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ? Because if you don't know him, he will not know you. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, into the eternal lake of fire that was not prepared by man, but prepared by the hand of the living God. So he tells his son to be strong in the Lord. When he tells us to be strong, men of God, he's teaching us not to waver, not to compromise, not to be like the world, but be different. He says, come out from the world and be separate. Be the head and not the tail. And I think the greatest one that I can think of is John the Baptist. Jesus tells us in Luke 7, 24 through 26, after, John was, after John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. He said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see a reed swayed by the wind? In other words, did you go out to see a man that's being blown back and forth by every doctrine of the world? No. No. When you come to this church, you're not seeing an individual who's being blown by every doctrine. I don't accept homosexuality. I don't accept sin. I accept the word of God. And I'm sure one day I will have to stand against some people who will come against me because I will not waver. I will not bend. You can take my head off, but you can't kill this because it doesn't belong to you. Inside me, I have eternity. I have life. And that life, I have it more abundantly. And because of it, God does not give me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. And I want you to walk out of here with the same confidence. I want you to walk out of here today with your head held up high, saying, I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, amen. I am a child of the living God. I will not be swayed. I will not be pushed by the world. I will not let them force me to say it's okay for a man to kiss a man or a woman to kiss a woman. That is not God's will. God did not design us to be freaks. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. But Paul, he says in the book of Ephesians 6, 10, and 11, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You and I are dealing with a serious situation outside those doors. 
And the moment we walk out, we're going to find ourselves being attacked. And you need to be covered in the blood. You need to have the shield of faith on. You need the helmet of salvation. You need God's protection. And you need to be in his will so you will prosper in all that you do. Are y'all listening to me this morning? Let me just say this real quick. I'm about to close. You cannot overcome the devil by walking in fear and weakness and disobedience. As long as you're walking in that, you will be defeated. And you can call me until your face turns blue. I can't help you until you do your part. Pastor, I need you to pray for me. Okay, what's going on? Then you begin to tell me how this and this is going on, but, but I'm, looking, I'm looking for the evidence that you have been walking in the will of God because I can't pray against the will of God. Does that make sense? But if I know that you are in the will of God and you're walking according to his word and you call me, we can move some mountains, baby. Hallelujah. I like how David, when he stood before that Philistine giant, he was not fearful. He was in covenant with God. See, when you're in, when you're in covenant with God, it's like, it's like me and my wife, we're in covenant Nothing can come between us because the love that we share is greater than anything that the enemy can send between us, and he will try. He hates marriage. I don't care if you've been married 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, he still wants to drive something between it to separate it. What God has joined together, the Bible says, let no man separate. And so David, he stood before the Philistine giant. He said, you come against me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day I will strike you down, cut off your head this day. I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field and all those who are gathered here with know that it's not by sword or spirit that the Lord saved for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands come on amen see David was in covenant with God he was just a young shepherd boy but he was walking in the will of God and so when the lion and the bear came against him he was not fearful but destroyed them by his own hand Woo! hallelujah Our text says in verse 3, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Well, what does God require? You will never know until you open this up. I don't have enough time up here to tell you what God requires. I'd be up here for weeks. That'd be all right with me. I'm feeling good up here right now. I may be catching that later with my back going, oh. Lying devil. But, but right now I'm feeling good. But here's, here's just a little bit of what God desires from you. He desires for you to walk in love. He desires for you to walk in holiness, in truth, in strength, in power. The Bible says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witness in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
God requires us and all these things he requires. But if I could break it down to just one word out of the Bible, God requires you and I to walk in something called faith. Everybody said, I got to walk in faith. Hebrews 11 and 6, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he rewards those who earnestly, earnestly seek him. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, for we walk by faith, not by, we live by faith, not by sight. It doesn't matter what translation, it all means the same. You live and you walk. Galatians 3.11, Paul said, Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous shall live by faith. You want to know what God requires? He requires for you to walk looking at things you can't see, impossibilities, and believe by faith. You can whip it, destroy it, and overcome it through the power of the living God. Are you fearful? It's not God. So David breaks it down for Solomon. He says, walk in his ways, his decrees, his command, his laws and requirements are written in the law of Moses. Walk according to that. And I'm sure that Solomon's like, oh my gosh, there's so much here. How am I going to walk in all the ways? And, and at that moment, I, I believe by faith, he's probably thinking, you know what? There was three men that, was, that walked on this earth before the law was even given. Three men who walked according to the word of God. Three men who walked righteousness, walked in holiness, not perfect. They still had sin, but they were in the will of God. Who were they? Anybody know? Three men that walked according to God's will. We got a man named Enoch. Everybody say Enoch. Genesis 5 and 24, Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because the Lord took him away. This man walked so close with God, so close with him, that he was there and then he was gone. I often told my wife, if you ever see me disappear, just understand that I was no more. Kip walked with God and he was no more. I'm still here. I'm, I need to step up my game. Kip was... Never mind. Genesis 6 and 9, this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his day, and he walked with God. Job 1 and 8, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He fears God and shuns evil. Three men who actually did it, not perfectly, but they were blameless and upright and righteous. And they did not have what we have. We have something called the Holy Ghost. Can you say Holy Ghost anymore? We got the Holy Spirit. Whatever you want to call him. Spirit of Ghost. I got it. One day I was going down the highway and I pulled over to get a man in my car. And I started witnessing to him. He said, son, you can save your breath. I got it. I said, Hallelujah. <laughs> I got it. At least he had the confidence. But here's one of the things that I always try to remember when I'm trying to walk according to the will of God. I, I don't look at all the Ten Commandments. It can be overwhelming. I just go to the two. The two commandments. Matthew 22, 37 and 40. 
Jesus replied, to love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. How am I supposed to walk right? Just love God and love your neighbor. You guys love staying red? Really? Do you love your neighbor as you love yourself? Think about it. Woo, come on, amen. Let me get down in my road. If you don't like my band, then, then really you're not loving your neighbor as yourself. Because I love staying red. Yeah, I'm the singer. Galatians 5.14. For the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law is summed up. Everybody stand with me. James says 2 and 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. So I, brought, I brought this container with me. It's got lemon water. It's supposed to help my throat. That's what I use when I'm singing. And it helps. And I thought, I'm going to bring it because when I start preaching, my throat starts hurting really bad, especially when I start yelling. But, but you know what? I get round up, wound up, and then I forget it's back there. I got the remedy waiting for me. You guys have the remedy waiting for you. Now, I can be obedient Ooh, yeah, feeling better, all right. I'm taking it in. I'm, I'm receiving what I know is refreshing me. Right now, God's Holy Spirit is right here, ready to refresh you. Some of you have not even been saved. You've been through the motion. You want a word. God said, listen, if your father is living on this earth, still alive today, you need to go to your father and you need to sit, not speaking, but listening. Because I can promise you one day he'll be taken sooner than later. And you're going to long to hear that voice from your father. Our kids, our generation are so caught up in everything, they forgot what family is all about. Is that right? We, we need to slow down a little bit. And I bet you right now, David, if you, if you could do anything in this world right now, you, you would desire to sit down with Daddy just for five minutes. I would trade right now five minutes to sit with my Daddy for anything that I have. Just, he's gone. And once they step across that great divine, it's over until we go ourselves. David is about to leave, and he's trying to tell his son, listen, Please walk in faithfulness. Please do this and you'll be prosperous. You'll be successful. But God's saying to you right now, please, just be faithful. Just come down and receive me as your Lord and Savior and walk out of here changed and transformed in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want every eye to close right now.
when I heard about Sarah getting saved, I was so excited, but I was also envious. I was jealous. I, I was like, oh, I wished I could have led her to the Lord, but it doesn't matter who brings her into the kingdom as long as she's being brought in. Now, I can't save Sarah. She's already saved, but somebody may be lost today. Please, don't steal that from me. Every Sunday, I leave here with my head down because week after week after week after week, I leave here without no fish in my basket. I'm like a fisherman going home with empty basket. If you're a fish and you're not saved, please get on my hook and let me bring you to the cross right now. Every eye's closed. No one's watching you, but I'm asking you right now, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please come down here. I won't embarrass you, but I will love on you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, I truly feel the power of the Holy Spirit in this room right now. If someone can't feel the fire of God in this room right now, their wood's wet. And I pray right now that you would refire that individual, that you would rekindle that individual, you would resalt that individual, you would bring that person in a perfect relationship with you. Help us, Lord, to turn away from the world and to walk in the way of holiness and godliness and love and mercy. Help us to hold our tongue. Right now, someone's saying, you know what? I do pretty good until I open up my mouth. Lord, if, if I'm speaking to someone, help that individual to hold that tongue. Because that tongue is like a little fire that can set the whole forest on fire. Help them to hold their tongue. Even when it hurts, Lord, help them to love and be loved. Lord, we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Go with your people now. Bless them in the name of Christ. God's people said amen. You guys have a blessed week.